Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Know Your Roots Podcast, presented by or powered by Sneaker History, however we want to phrase that. I say we're part, we're part of the Sneaker History Cinematic Universe. We're like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Or we could go a car analogy. They're like GM and we're like Chevy. Ooh. I like we're, it. We're definitely the branch. But I'm Robbie. Yeah. You should probably know my voice by now. Sitting here again with my fantastic co-host, Rowit. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. How are you, Robbie? What are you wearing today? I am wearing house slippers for the millionth day. But um, on a serious note, I've been wearing my LeBron 3s when I go and check the mail or I go up the street to find out the pickup place isn't doing pickup anymore. So... Oh, is that the uh, Nick Engvall three colorway that I see everywhere now because he's the ultimate trendsetter? It is. Um, it's the black and red, black, white, and red home LeBron three, a perfect shoe in my book. But um, I'll go into more details on that on my Instagram as I detail my five oh, yeah. shoes. Um, I am sitting on pens, pins and needles awaiting your post tomorrow. It'll be a really good one. It's funny because I'm super lazy and I just hate going and taking shoes out of the box without a purpose of wearing them. I think it's stupid, but I'll give the people what they want. What are you rocking though? Uh, I was actually going with the barefoot 11s. I just the barefoot, but uh, I was inspired by our last episode. So I found my pair of Hirachi 2K4s and I've busted those out. And those are pretty nice. And now my goal is to actually play a game of basketball in them because you swore by them and I never actually worn them. So that is a bucket list item, if you will, in the sense that hopefully I get a couple of buckets while I'm wearing them. And it's also something I'm looking forward to doing once all this madness subsides. So are we talking like the OGs from 04 or like the 2016 retros? There's also one in like 2012, 13 range. Uh, the very first retro from 2016, uh, the red, white, and blue. Oh, the all-star ones, the LA. Yeah. Yes. The LA ones. That is correct. I wish I had those so bad. Um, are you a gentleman's 11? No, I wish. No. I mean, especially in a Hirachi, I need that. 12, if I'm going to play okay. in them, fits just fine because they're tight. But if I'm going to be casually rocking that shoe, I need to have a 13. Um, but I'm happy you have that all-star shoe because it's a beautiful piece of Kobe memorabilia. And yes. it kind of ties into what our main topic is going to be here. And we'll get into more details in a moment. But all these all-stars and high-end role players, pretty much everybody in the NBA taking part 
in a 2K tournament. That's kind of going to be our our big topic item here. But um, before we jump into that, um, we've all been pretty excited to hear this news over social media the past couple of days. But ESPN is dropping The Last Dance, Bulls documentary, weeks early, a month early, but early. Uh, six weeks, I believe, because I think it was slated to coincide with the start of the NBA Finals, which usually takes place in that first week of June. But now we are scheduled to have it on April 19th. We'll get two episodes every Sunday. Uh, they'll be available in the U.S. on ESPN and the Watch ESPN app. And for our global listeners, you guys actually get the benefit of watching that through Netflix. Even better. So what are your feelings on the documentary? Is it going to make you love or hate and, you know, Michael Jordan and the Bulls more? I think it's one of those things where it's going to fill in a lot of gaps because we know Michael Jordan as the sneaker salesman or as the athlete, but there's this vindictive and competitive side to Jordan that kind of always gets hinted at, but never really displayed. So I'm really intrigued by how much they delve into. I think there was mentioned that they actually have the footage of Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr in the face. And that'll be really interesting to see. But I think it's going to scratch that real house husbands of basketball itch for us, which I know a lot of the drama and a lot of the pettiness is what fuels a lot of fans appreciation for the league. And I think this is almost a perfect compliment. Now, if we could only get some basketball games that were worth something to coincide with that, but I'll take what I can get, especially during these dire, dire times of uh, limited to no content. So do you think they're going to have enough new stuff to like really make you watch six episodes because playing devil's advocate as a sports head and an equally big sneaker head you you got to be i'd be hard pressed to find at least i think i'd be hard pressed to find information about those 96 bulls and mj that i don't know do you worry about no I, I do worry about that, and I think that if we had a quote-unquote normal summer of content, that it would be something along the lines of, hey, let's check out that Jordan doc, because the thought is, okay, we've got the NBA Finals to take off our mind. We've got the ramp up for the Olympics, so in the grand scheme of things, it's just another option. Now, the fact that it's Jordan, there's always some sort of charismatic appeal to him like the cult of personality if you say where regardless what he does we as a society tend to fixate and we tend to obsess over what he does and everything he does so i think it is going to be worthwhile i think it'll come down to the fact that is this going to be a documentary that's a fluff piece or is this something that's going to look at him critically because everything we've ever seen about jordan has always kind of been through rose tinted glasses in the sense that he can really do no wrong and from what i've kind of gathered and I'm kind of a nerd about it. I've kind of gleaned this information that this is going to kind of cut to the core of Jordan is who he really is, so to speak, which I hate saying that because that sounds incredibly cliche and forced, but I have high aspirations. And I think the fact that it's almost going to be a retrospective on not just Jordan, but the entire Bulls. So we're going to see that dynamic of Scottie Pippen being so hideously under, uh, underpaid during that time. I think at one point he was the hundredth best player in terms of financial compensation. So I think they'll dive a little bit into the drama that involved Scottie Pippen's battles with Jerry Krause. Obviously we've got the Rodman component and then we see like the fringe members as well. So we're going to see how much of that Zen master narrative followed Phil Jackson. Is he truly quote unquote kooky like that? Or is that all some sort of machination of him buying into the narrative? We get to see Steve Kerr, who's supposedly the everyman of the documentary, 
where he's just, gee shucks, I'm happy to be here. So I think it's got a lot of things going for it. Ultimately, you lead with Jordan because Jordan's going to get you the headlines. But I do think that there will be more to watch. And that being said, you and I will probably talk about it at some length over the course of the next six to seven weeks, however long it takes us to get through it. But what do you think? Like, what other hesitations would you have if you were continuing to be devil's advocate about it, Robbie? So I I really don't think I have any other ones. Um, It's really good you brought up the point of seeing – the other side or the real side of Jordan. I don't, I don't think that's fair either because, you know, we, we know Jordan is ruthless. We know Jordan would want to win at any cost, not saying he'd ever, you know, he cheated at all. Like he's not that level, but just he wanted to win so badly. I bet you his blood just starts pumping, you know, X-Men level when, when, you know, when the moment gets going. No, I was just going to say this. I could see a reality where he's basically comparing the ratings that his documentary gets with what OJ's documentary got, the famous five-part OJ series. And to your point, Robbie, I could see him just getting on OJ and being like, hey, you want to bet that my episode four is going to do better than your episode four? Because that's just the gambling, petty person we know Jordan to be, and yet we still love and appreciate him more for it. Exactly. But even another step further, we... Jordan is so shielded in the fact that he doesn't comment on things. He doesn't, he doesn't have a a presence and that's by choice. He does a lot of stuff, you know, through his foundations and under the radar because that's how he wants to contribute. But seeing him speak at Kobe's memorial, you got to see, you know, behind the Superman costume, you got to see Clark Kent a little bit. And I feel like Michael will not feel like it's a fact that Michael Jordan is Superman for a lot of people in sports. So I'm very interested and intrigued to see Jordan on a Tuesday at five o'clock footage. Like, was he just as intense? Was he a little more lax? Was he more funny? He had some jokes in Kobe's eulogy. So like what other side or fashion to Jordan is there that Nike, the Bulls, the league has kind of, helped, you know, put by the wayside because they want everybody just to see six rings and all the shoes and the money and the accolades because he's such a figure of, you know, perfection or, you know, a figure of dominance that you don't want to see him cracking jokes. So I'm very excited to see him in other lights. I mean, that's a brilliant observation by you. I think, I mean, I hate saying this sentence, but if you can steal a eulogy, Jordan did exactly that. He was that person that we've always kind of heard about, but we've never really outwardly seen. So the whole reference to his meme, the fact that he was kind of the elder statesman and held Vanessa Bryant's hand as she was coming down the podium or up the podium, I can't remember. And I do have hopes for it. And the other fact that you mentioned, the fact that he is this image of perfection for a lot of our fan base and a lot of the NBA fan base, they really don't know Jordan other than the fact that that is the guy that LeBron is being measured to. So I do think that this is going to fill in that gap and give a little bit more context to this mythical figure. Because the analogy has always been made that America's mythical figures tend to be superheroes and athletes. And I think Jordan is the greatest what if, because if this documentary can truly get to the core of him, we're going to see that. And I think in a way, it's only going to make us love him more 
because we as a country love our sportsmen. We love our big, larger than life, grandiose personalities. But then when we see that they have some of the same afflictions that you and I as Joe Schmoes have, it only endears them to us even more. So I'm holding out hope for it. 10 hours is a lot, but I think that captivating nature of Jordan is going to make it almost seem like it's going to fly by to borrow the bad pun. Him flying by the time flying by. And it's a great segue into seeing other sides of players because our main topic today is the NBA finding some way to have basketball. They're going to be hosting with 2K an NBA 2K, that's really redundant of this sentence, um, an NBA 2K tournament with actual players. So it's bracket. It has names like Kevin Durant, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, you know, some lesser known people, slam dunk contest champions, just a real good bunch of people from the NBA. Um, do you want to kind of give everybody, you know, the, the lowdown on who's participating on how it's going to work? Sure, Robbie, I can do that. So the tournament actually starts on Friday at five, 4.30 Pacific time, so 7.30 Eastern time. To your point, it's got a plethora of different stars that are in different parts of their career. So the one sixteen matchup, we see KD versus Derek Jones Jr. 2.15, we have Trey Young versus Harrison Barnes. The three versus 14, and please, Robbie, keep my math accurate because I have a tendency to uh, ramble when it comes to that. We have Hassan Whiteside versus the People's Champ and Robbie's personal favorite. Pat Beverly. Uh, 4-12, we've got Donovan Mitchell versus Rui Hashimura. Five, uh, sorry, so 4-13, 5-12, we have Devin Booker versus Michael Porter Jr. The 6-11 matchup, we have Andre Dun- uh, Drummond and DeMarcus Cousins. 7-10, Zach Levine versus Dia, uh, Ayton. And then lastly, the 9-8 matchup, we have Montez Harrell versus DeMontis Sabonis, a.k.a. the Bonus Sabonis. Any names particularly you reach out to you right now, Robbie? It's great to see stuff like Kevin Durant interacting with other players in a social setting because he is the king of getting online, clapping back, being involved with conversations about him and his sport and what he likes. On top of that, I saw a Jalen and Jacoby post on IG Live, and they were talking about how strip clubs are going digital. So they'll have like live feed of strip clubs. And Kevin Durant popped up in one of them under his Easy Money Sniper name and was just like interacting with people. It's like, yo, what's up? This isn't a direct quote, but like nice boobs, you know, like whatever he was saying in there. But he was with the people in the digital strip club. Um, he will talk to you about the game. He will do anything online. So I'm so stoked to see how he interacts in a video game setting about his profession or involving his profession. That's going to be, I think, some high-quality television. I think it's going to be really interesting because kind of what we alluded to with the Jordan doc It'll be really interesting to see how these players let go. Are they still kind of guarded because this is still a media representation of who they are? So are they thinking along the lines of the brand? 
But there are also certain quote unquote real ones like Pat Beverly and DeMarcus Cousins, who I think are going to throw three sheets to the wind and just go for it and be who they are, which I think is only going to make this even more entertaining because I can totally see some pettiness and some beefs sprout from this competition. So I'm interested to see how quote unquote noted malcontents like they handle themselves in this situation. The other question I always kind of had was around how did they figure out the seating? Because it seems like a popularity contest, but correct me if I'm wrong. It definitely does seem like a popularity contest. And I'm also interested on how Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell are both participating. Cause I thought it was one player per team. Maybe they couldn't get a 16th player, um, which I think out of all the NBA, like it can't be that hard to get one more person, but this, I thought that was interesting. Um, looking at it. Oh no, no, no. Um, I remember I read somewhere it's, um, based off of their 2k rating. So they're seated by their 2k 20 rankings, which that opens up a whole nother round of questions. Cause obviously Kevin Durant's like a 98, 97, but, um, how is Hassan Whiteside higher than Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker? I don't understand that either. And that's why I was wondering how this is going on. Is there maybe a my part component? I'm not that well versed in 2K, but is it looking at how their gamer rating also is? Because I get KD being number one, he's the big star, and Trey Young is right there. But I would have figured that Devin Booker would have been number three easily, or at least there would have been a competition between him and Donovan Mitchell. Interesting point about the Clippers. I also think that we have two Phoenix Suns in there as well because I believe DeAndre Ayton is one of the competitors. So maybe it's slanted more to the Western Conference. I don't buy the fact that they couldn't get representation from other teams considering Slam just had a Call of Duty event. And we saw a lot of players that were not in this 2K tournament that were participating in that. And I think Myers Leonard was the MVP of it, if I remember reading it correctly. So that's there's always a first or something. So to that, video ga- I mean, you play video games too. I play a lot of video games. Um, if you're not good at, at NBA 2K, I can see not playing in both of them. Especially if you're a competitive pro athlete, you're Ben Simmons and your bread and butter is Call of Duty. You do not want to get your ass whipped in 2K <laughs> if, you're, if you're not a well-versed 2K player. So that I can kind of see, but... How is Zach Levine higher than Sabonis or even more? How is Andre Drummond higher than Zach Levine? So that's interesting. Um, 2K can be funny when it comes to their rankings. They also do real-time updates, though. So they'll periodically go there and update how a player's been doing. Like, let's say, um, who's been a breakout star this year? Uh, Sabonis. Like he's probably has a higher 2K score now than he did in the beginning of the season. I'm having made an all-star team, but you know, I'm above all, I'm very happy to see that they're playing for bragging rights and for charity. That's super fantastic. Um, they're giving away a hundred thousand to um, the Corona release efforts. So that's where the money should be going. Um, but it, it's just seeing people compete is always great seeing pro athletes compete in their own sport that I've never seen before. And it's very smart of ESPN to have an angle 
other than this like ESPNU sports. Like they'll have like League of Legends on there, but it's on like two in the morning on ESPNU. Um, having NBA 2K during prime time, they're short on programming. It's genius. It will be fun. And I'm interested to see how this expands because a couple of years back, there used to be the show on ESPN called Madden Nation, which I thought was the best marriage of sports and gaming where each NFL team had a certain gamer represent them. And then the gamer actually had to play a representative from the NFL team themselves and kind of had to back the claims up that they truly were the best choice available for, let's say, the Baltimore Ravens or the Kansas City Chiefs. And that marriage of video games and athletes has kind of always been there. But because we are in these quarantine times, I'm glad to see that we're further giving the validity that esports are, quote unquote, credible sport. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be watching it. I'm sure memes will be born out of this. I'm sure certain people's brands will go up, certain people's brands will go down. There can be no wrong from this. And to your point about players soliciting better feedback for ratings, I think that's been one indicator of truly successful video games because I've seen instances of that in Madden. I've seen instances of that in FIFA. I think we always get that annual video of incoming rookies trying to guess what their rating is and then watching them crumble when they get quoted as a 72 or 75 is always very interesting. And you can kind of gleam a lot about the player based on how their reaction to that. Some of them seem very content with their low rating, but then you have others that have the eye of the tiger that want to justify throwing everything back in the face of 2K and saying, you know what, I'm not a 78 overall. I'm actually an 84 or whatever number they choose to say as their own. So... We've never played 2K with these people, but going off of name or personality, whatever you want to factor in, who do you think is going to win? I like the KD pick. I think he has probably the most downtime to commit to the game. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins seems like a very interesting one, also due to his recent injury prone. Talk about what, what, what happened with Boogie. Oh, yeah. So Boogie also, once again, the source of controversy, whether it's a digital or a real basketball court. Uh, Ronnie 2K, who seems to be the figurehead for the entire NBA 2K experience, was recently on a live stream. And somebody was asking him about this very tournament. And he was going over the fact that, OK, the, most of the players have been sent their information. But one particular player, the aforementioned Boogie Cousins, did not receive the equipment he needed to be ready for his matchup. And Ronnie just kind of postulated out there that he's kind of a dick and he's not going to want to do this now because he's a baby. And other things were said. Unbeknownst to Ronnie, this was broadcast all over Twitter. So there was the inevitable DeMarcus Cousins response, as well as kind of shaming and memeing of Ronnie 2K, which, I mean, if you're a Ronnie 2K fan, it's very interesting. He always comes across a little unique to me. I won't necessarily speak ill about him because I don't necessarily know him, but he's a very peculiar character. He did what I guess anybody's supposed to do that's caught in the middle of a crisis. He doubled back and said, you know what, I apologize. It's been a very stressful moment for all of us. That wasn't my intent. I love you as a person, DeMarcus, and I hope you continue to participate in the tournament and actually win so we can have a discussion about it. So controversy seemingly follows Boogie everywhere. I think he's a good dark horse pick. I could see Patrick Beverly taking trash talk to the next level and instigating some sort of fight where it's on site the next time any of these guys play him. 
but Devin Booker also seems to be a pretty prolific gamer. So I don't know. It's a really hard thing to say. What do you think, Robbie? Who's your pick? Here's a fun analogy to Ronnie 2K. He's like the Microsoft paperclip of 2K. I actually like the paperclip, though. (laughs) You're like one in a billion that likes the paperclip. But it's like pops up, two in your face, two this much. So that's a really funny story. you got to be mindful, especially at that level. He's definitely been in front of a camera a trillion times. you got to be mindful when that film is rolling or digital film, digital, digital life. Um, my pick is actually Devin Booker for the win. He's in that ripe age of really young. <laughs> I think he's like, you know, 23, 24 at max. So he has been playing 2k for a long time he seems like the kind of guy who's just shooting hoops on the let's say saturday afternoon saturday for devin booker is probably a nice breakfast getting a workout in playing 2k for three hours and then hitting the club so um he definitely gives off that vibe of an avid 2k player um what i think is really interesting about it is that each player gets to pick from a pool of six teams of their choosing. So their competitor won't 100% know what's coming at them. They'll have a, a, you know, a circle of choice. But wouldn't it be weird to not pick your own team? I think it would be. I think it's one of those things where we saw Pete Rose get in trouble for betting on baseball. So it's one of those other ideas of, are these guys going to get lambasted for not having that ability to pick your teammates and show support for the team? Uh, The other thing I want to know is, are there certain untouchable teams? Because to your point, Robbie, we're reading the rules right now and you're only allowed to use a team one at a time or once and then they're done. So do you save your best team right off the bat? And I guess that truly is the mark of a great gamer that regardless who your team is, you take them to victory. So I do like that wrinkle, but I'm looking at who Kevin Durant picked at his pool. He had the Brooklyn Nets, the Chicago Bulls, the Dallas Mavericks, the Golden State Warriors, and the Rockets. And there always seems to be a theme with these teams where he's got really good point guards and he's got multiple scores. So I think that'll be really refreshing to see how KD, the player in terms of the actual basketball player, is similar or different to KD, the video gamer? Does he score in a similar way? Is he more of a three-point bomber in his digital self? So the subplots are there. It's going to be really interesting. Zach Levine in video games is amazing. Like I've definitely busted my friends with the Bulls a couple of times. Um, Lori Marketing, like you don't have to have an elite roster in real life to have an elite video game roster. Um, and it kind of... I haven't played much of 2K20. I'm sure avid 2K20 players will agree with me when I say this, but the game is really slow. Even when you are Russell Westbrook at full max turbo, you're not going all that fast. It's like you're playing in mud. So I would like to see Devin Booker, Trey Young miss a wide open three in the game and just lose their crap. Like I would not miss this in the real life. What the hell is going on? So those subplots are going to be bountiful and just full of, um, I think it's going to be very memeable. 
we just saw a recent video where I believe it was De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings playing a game of 2K and he had inbounded the ball. And I guess his plan was to pass it to somebody who had already crossed the half court line and the pass sailed as it's prone to do in 2K. And the vitriol and the anger and the fury that came out of his face was perfect because I've never felt closer to De'Aaron Fox. And that's even after the revelation that we're both Vegeta fanboys from Dragon Ball Z. So it is going to be interesting. And similar to your idea of some of these players that may not want to play 2K because they're worried of how it may impact their brand, this is kind of a big risk. Because imagine if you run into the same common bugs that occur when you're playing 2K with your boys. Like, How does 2K Sports have that ability to do damage control on the fly? Especially, let's say, if it's a game-winning situation and some sort of glitch prevents somebody to win the game rightfully or wrongfully. So there is that level of intrigue as well that's associated with this tournament. 2K is known to have some random-ish go on. Um, So I'm going to use that as a segue. What have you been doing with your free time during this coronavirus, quarantine, self-isolation situation? We've been playing video games, so I recently purchased Gran Turismo, and unbeknownst to me, uh, my wife now is as obsessed with the game as I have been, so it's refreshing when couples that love each other can also game together. Uh, There's definitely been instances where she's yanked the controller out of my hand because she's tired of me driving a particular way, so it's really, truly the real-life driving simulator. So Gran Turismo, well done. You've caused fights outside of the car that normally occur within the car. So thank you for that. Uh, Other than that, we've been doing a lot of TV watching. We're going through a hat trick right now of shows that are so fundamentally opposite. So I'll tell you the three shows and then Robbie, I know one in particular you're going to have opinions on. So we've decided to watch Scrubs, which is a fairly lighthearted, easygoing show that has the occasional emotional sucker punch that comes out of nowhere. Uh, We're also watching The Wire because we're very basic, and I can't wait to tell everybody how much The Wire is the best show ever, and you should all stop what you're doing and watch it because we're still from 2010. And lastly, we are talking about The Tiger King, or rather, we're watching The Tiger King. And I'm going to defer right now to the real-life Joe Exotic to give me a deep dive about it. Joe Exotic is my spirit animal. (laughs) Um, I never thought I'd be so captivated by meth heads. Um, but easily the sensation of, I'm going to say the spring, like the winter time, the first quarter of the year, the only highlight we've had is freaking Joe Exotica, um, Joe Exotic, not Exotica. But, um, that's been something I didn't want to watch at first. Like, oh, this is kind of dumb. And then we polished through every episode proper. Um, on top of that. A lot of video games, too. Been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat. I don't know why, but fatalities just spoke to me at this time. I need to release some aggression so nothing does that better than some Mortal Kombat. But while on the topic of like documentaries and having brought up you know, the more than a game, <laughs> I gave myself away, um, the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary, I really recommend watching more than a game the LeBron James documentary from, I believe it was 2010 it released. It had the Smash Drake single on there. Um, 
I can't remember what song it was, but it had like Little Wayne on it. Eminem was on it. Um, Man, nothing to y'all. Yes, yeah, that one. Done for me. I just remember the video having a LeBron. Forever. Yeah, forever. That's right. I just remember the video having LeBron James playing online poker, and I realized is this the moment that LeBron James may have outed himself as a corny dude, or is this his jump the shark moment? But that is a great uh, documentary. I believe it's about the St. Saint, uh, Vincent St. Mary high school team that had won quite a lot in their time as high school senior prep. Three championships. It's that and pretty much LeBron up until him getting drafted. So it's just a fantastic documentary. There's a really rare pair of LeBron sevens called more than a game. Um, highly recommend you check those out. If you have a pair and they're size 12, let me buy them off you. But um, that's one of my favorites. There's a Dirk documentary, I believe on Amazon, like Dirk Nowitzki. That one's really good too. Um, there's the Iverson one on Netflix. That's a must watch also. Do you have any um, go-to or any sport documentaries you'd recommend? Sure. Uh, an oldie in the sense that it only came out in 1994, but I may be showing our age a little bit. Hoop Dreams, which was considered the gold standard or the blueprint for effective sports uh, documentaries. It's about these two high school kids from the greater Chicago area who grow up in the shadows of Isaiah Thomas. And you basically watch these kids from freshman year until senior year of high school. And it showcases a lot of what they're facing. And I would love for a modern day version of that. So Hoop Dreams is one. I've seen the Dirk Nowitzki one. I thought it was on Netflix, but if it's on Amazon, that's great. I love documentaries about Dirk. There was the Iverson one. Um, we have the ESPN and the Disney plus hybrid app. So I've been able to watch a lot of the 30 for 30s. So the fab five one, which we touched on last week, that's a really good watch, uh, outside of basketball. I know we were scheduled to talk to Nick about formula one because I've been obsessed with formula one drive to survive. So apologies if I sound like a broken record, but that's definitely scratched my itch is something sporty and competitive to watch, even though the results from, from the previous two years. But I'd say off the top of my head, those. And then obviously, let's use this a little bit to segue into a bit of product placement. The greatest sports documentary of all time, Space Jam. And aren't we doing something with Space Jam, Robbie? Yes. 7 Pacific time this Friday, which I believe is the 4th. Um, I could be wrong. No, it's the 3rd um, this Friday. And we'll be doing the Netflix party. So make sure you have the Google Chrome add-on and that you're on a computer. You can talk to us. We'll watch it together. I may or may not have a couple beers before, so you'll get my real and true feelings on Bill Murray. So please, after you watch the ESPN 2K tournament on Friday, go ahead and jump on, jump on your laptop and join us for some Space Jam. Um, Actually, there's one little documentary I want to bring up. Um, it's one of my favorites of all time. Gunning for that number one spot from 2008. I remember watching this very inebriated at like four in the morning many, many years ago and just loving it. It has Jared Bayless, Michael Beasley, Tyreek Evans, Brandon Jennings, Kevin Love, Kyle Singler, and the one and only Lance Stevenson. And it's just them as they go through the rounds trying to be the next elite prospect. And it's 
everybody you know, so you get the familiarity, you know all the brands, you know the players. Um, just a really, really, really good documentary. And it's kind of, it, hearing you bring up Hoop Dreams reminded me of that one. It's different. They're not the same at all. Um, but gunning for that number one spot is really, really, really good. Um, so I highly recommend that one. Um, but outside of that, man, anything else you really want to you really want to share or touch on before we go? Sure. Any last thoughts? No, I mean, in fact, the gunning for the number one spot. I love that movie because I believe it was executive produced by one of my favorite rappers of all time, uh, MCA from the Beastie Boys. Because I think there's a portion in the movie where Kevin Love kind of gently pokes MCA. So I think that's the other cool tidbit about gunning for that number one spot. I would say this. I've been reading a lot more. Have you been reading anything, Robbie? I know that sounds really bougie as I say it out loud. So apologies there. I'll take my 10 demerits off air. But yeah, I recently picked up a book called A Hot Hand, which looks at the science of streaks. And this whole idea came to the author because he had a transcendent game as a middle schooler, as a junior high kid, where he scored 16 of his 30 career points in one game. And particularly there was a, I think a five minute stretch where he scored eight points. And he just realized that this feeling of never missing a shot was something he should be chasing for the rest of his whole life. So it looks at Steph Curry. There's a lot of cool off the court anecdotal examples as well. So that's been my book that I'm kind of getting through right now. And then another one in my queue is called Tanking to the Top, which is a summary of the whole trusted process Philadelphia 76ers saga. And that's definitely something to check out if you're a fan of Philly and you want to know a little bit more about the architect behind it, Sam Hinkie. I wish I could say I've been reading more. I 100% have not. I was an English major too. So I've read a lot in my life, but I don't like reading. <laughs> I read like magazines and manga. Um, I have been writing more, so that'll be showing up in various places. But on the book front, man, I'm a horrible, horrible reader. <laughs> Not at all. You read, uh, you write and I read. We're perfect compliments. How about that, Robbie? I try. I appreciate that. That's why we make such a good team. We compliment each other. Um, so with that said, this has been another successful episode of the Know Your Roots podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, drop a comment, leave a five-star review. You know what the drill is. is help us out. It, does, it goes a lot further than you would think. Check us out on Patreon. Um, that's the Sneaker History Patreon. Um, check out our latest episode of this where we talk about wrestling. That's a fantastic listen. And there's a follow-up episode we did with Mosh Customs. So check all that out. I'm Robbie. You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. Rowit, where can they find you? I'm M 13 on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm Rohizi. Thank you, guys. I love that, Rohizi. I think about it more than you would... More than more than that is normal. Let's put it that way. It's a good username. I'm flattered. Cool. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening and stay safe out there. More importantly, stay inside. But take it easy. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew. Become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. 
We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.